to the What Come Dads podcast. This is episode 7. Hello and welcome to the What Come Dads podcast. The podcast where three dads with kids ranging in age from 2 to 24 discuss parenting topics, interview guests, and make local recommendations for you and your kids. And our show's not just for dads. Moms, grandparents, aunts, and uncles might all enjoy it, too. I'm Nathan Dwyer. I'm Chris Roselli. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, we provide our Black Friday holiday gift guide for kids, discuss dinner time and picky eaters, and conduct a fantasy draft of our favorite TV shows to watch with our kids. Well, Mark and Nathan, it's so good to see you all. It is episode number seven, lucky number seven, and uh, released on Black Friday. Man, we've already made it to the holiday season. We are there. By the time our listeners are listening to this, they've already had their Thanksgiving dinner. Ooh, are you a light meat or a dark meat kind of guy? Definitely dark meat. Oh, man. What about you, Mark? No, no, I like the light meat. It's just... uh... I don't know. It's kind of my thing. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's better on sandwiches, personally, because you can put more mustard on because the white meat gets a little drier. And I like mustard, so it just kind of works for me. So, okay, so you do mustard. I like mayo and salt and pepper. That's it, with, with white bread. If I can get some white bread, mmm. I'll put, mayo, I'll put mayo on it as well, but I got it, but mustard on one side, mayo on the other, and then slam it all together. But the salt and pepper, that's a good idea. So here's my hot take. Turkey is overrated as an entree. Of, of course you'd say that. Yeah, everything's overrated in your mind. Let's be honest. Everybody likes Thanksgiving dinner just for the sides. Think about it. How many other times a year do you choose to cook turkey as your entree for your meal? The problem with turkey is they're just so damn big. And so it takes all day to cook it. And then you got to have an army of people to come eat it. So I think that's why you only cook it one time a year. So speaking of sides, Dwyer, what's your favorite side? Stuffing with gravy on it. Oh, what about you, Bags? I'm a mashed potatoes guy with butter. With butter? Oh, I love, oh. love the butter on the mashed potatoes. When I, when I was little, I would put so much butter on my mashed potatoes that it would leak over the sides, and I'd call it a butter storm. Hey, look, Mom and Dad, I'm having a butter storm. And there'd be butter all over the plate, and I, it, the more the barrier. It was great. One new thing I just learned about Mark. The butter storm? The butter storm story. <laughs> I think that's his new nickname. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a Seinfeld episode where George wanted to be T-Bone, and someone else took the name, and I'm going to get stuck with a butter storm. That's not very good. I like uh, the gravy, but I put mine on mashed potatoes, you know, just like a big old, take that big ladle of gravy and mush it right down into a big pile of mashed potatoes and let it sit there like Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. You have a gravy storm. I have a gravy storm. <laughs> really not that different. No. I don't think it's any healthier. Oh, for, for sure not. <laughs> All right, quick lightning round here. I'm going to give you a side. You tell me one scoop, two scoops, or pass. Uh, Jello salad. One scoop. One scoop. Depends what fruit's in it. I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Green bean casserole. Pass. Pass. Two scoops. <sighs> Cranberry sauce. Pass. Pass. 
half a scoop. <laughs> and finally, sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top. Oh, pass with the marshmallows. I'll do a good-sized scoop. One scoop for me as well. And a few other housekeeping matters here at the top. Um, we will not be having an episode next week. We're going to take it off to spend the whole weekend with our families. And just a reminder that new episodes are typically being released on Friday mornings. So look in your podcast feed for them there, or you can subscribe in your podcast app and the show will magically appear when it's released. So look for us again in two weeks. We're going to be joined by retired Bellingham Fire Chief Bill Boyd to talk about fire safety. Today's podcast is brought to you by Robinson and Cole Attorneys. Robinson and Cole handles all types of injury cases. This includes auto accidents, work accidents and LI claims, slip and falls, construction site accidents, and wrongful death claims. Robinson and Cole offers a free consultation and case evaluation. If you or someone you know has suffered a personal injury or has been injured on the job, call Robinson and Cole at 360-671-8112. You can also find more information on their website, robinsonandcole.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N-A-N-D-K-O-L-E.com. Robinson and Cole. Northwest Washington's premier injury law firm, representing Whatcom County since 1979. We typically have a guest on the podcast, but this week we're going rogue. We're going no guest, but that is going to allow us a little bit of extra time to talk about holiday shopping ideas for kids. So uh, we recognize listeners out there may come from a variety of traditions and uh, but typically there's some sort of gift giving around this time. So if you're a, a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, uh, we're going to try and provide some age appropriate gift ideas. So uh, Mark, kick us off with what you think might be appropriate for kids college age and older this holiday season. I happened to poll uh, two or three that I know fairly well and uh, asked them what <laughs> should be on lists for college-age students. And I, got, I thought some pretty good ideas, a couple that I had not thought of. Um, they said things like, well, wouldn't it be great if you got like a year-long Hulu or Netflix subscription? I thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, so one of, another one said, uh, any kind of housewares for either college students who are out living on their own for the first time or a recent grad? Um, nice. Plates, an air fryer, uh, things that they could really use in the kitchen would be a good thing. Is George Foreman grill still a thing? That was certainly right in the wheelhouse when I was in college. I think they still make the George Foreman grill. I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if young people today know about it, but I think they do still make it. But anything like that that just makes cooking a little bit easier for someone who may not know a lot of recipes or have a lot of time, uh, I thought that was a good idea as well. My wife, uh, one of her favorite, very affordable gifts for our son was a phone charging cable that was like 10 feet long. So in a dorm room <laughs> or in his room, if the plug was on the other side of the room, he could still charge his phone and have it near on his desk or near his bed, whatever. And I thought that was a, a brilliant idea. Yeah. I also thought about a good thing maybe for grandparents to get college age kids or even uh, high school kids who are driving would be uh, pay for an oil change or new windshield wipers or a gas card or jumper cables, things like that, that uh, are great to have in the car. 
make driving a little bit safer for uh, students who might just be uh, beginning that phase of their life. So those are some ideas that uh, my kids shot out to me uh, as gifts that they thought were good for people their age. Those are good ideas, Bags. Um, one idea also that uh, I got when I was in college as a Christmas gift was a book called uh, Where's Mom Now That I Need Her? <laughs> and it had all these, you know, how to do laundry and all these other things, which I kind of already knew how to do anyway. But one of the best parts about it were a variety of recipes that you could um, put in there. And my mom's recipes that she put in there, I still use to this day. Uh, so maybe also a suggestion for those who are in college is maybe put together a little recipe book of family recipes. And uh, if there anybody like anything like me, they'll hold on to them for a long time. That's a great idea. And, and anything personal like that just makes such a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So Chris, before we get to you and suggestions you've got for middle and high schoolers, I wanted to take a quick poll of what was either the best or worst holiday gift that you can recall getting as a child. I remember vividly. It was sitting on the mantle of the fireplace right when I walked in. It was a new stereo. I was in fifth grade and it had dual cassette deck on it so you could high speed dub and uh that was amazing and so uh i listened to a ton of z100 uh based out of portland and recorded song after song after song and made myself nothing but a ton of mixed tapes using my high speed dubbing stereo would you do the thing that i did where you would just set it on while you were gone to school and hope that it <laughs> caught your favorite song, but you only had 45 minutes of tape and you would have to do it for a week until you caught that hit, that one hit song. No, I never did. But it's funny because half the songs that I did have started like, you know, 15 seconds into it. Cause I would run over to go start recording once I heard the song playing and it was always too late. Mark, did you have a memorable gift? I think the most memorable one I ever got was uh, when I got an Intellivision gaming console oh, you guys have you heard of in television yeah you were cool was that well, before that, or after the ColecoVision? i remember that was one thing too uh it was after atari i know that but okay. it was it was pretty state-of-the-art and when i got that it was like oh my gosh i have died and gone to heaven i thought i was just you know the most amazing person in the world and my sister and i played that until we couldn't play it anymore it was it was pretty darn exciting it, and it was totally out of character for my parents to get something like that for us. That's cool. What about you, Dwyer? My most memorable Christmas gift was the gift that I got that I ended up returning and getting something else. So that was right when the My Buddy was popular. Do you guys remember the My Buddy? I know Buddy? the whole jingle, actually. I could sing it with you, too. Uh, so My Buddy, for those of you who don't know, was sort of a larger doll. It was a boy doll. So there was this package under the tree that looked exactly the same size as my buddy. And, uh, you know, it was there for several weeks. I was pretty convinced I was getting to my buddy. And here comes Christmas morning rolls around and I open it up and it was some cool sort of spaceship thing. And I was like, well, where's my buddy? Where's this doll? And uh, eventually my, uh, my parents relented and said, all right, we'll go down to the store. And we returned the spaceship and I came home with my buddy. And yeah, so uh, my buddy and me had a good time for, I don't know, the next several months Three until months. I yeah, right. <laughs> moved on to the next thing. But that one's so, burned, in, burned into my memory. So like your 17th or 18th Christmas? Or how old were you when this happened? Yeah, it was last year. No. Uh, 
So Chris, kick us off with some middle and high school gift ideas. Uh, well, I also surveyed my two daughters and um, what's so crazy as they get older, right? They're, everything becomes more expensive and more electronic. And so of course, Lexi and uh, Alyssa doesn't have a cell phone, um, but Lexi's using a, a, a an old galaxy S eight that has a cracked screen that her uncle gave her. Um, and you know, for us, we're like, yep, good enough. That'll work for you. And Lexi wants an iPhone, which she's not getting. Um, so <laughs> cause it's, it's just expensive. It's this balance of like common sense and you know, what, what, what really do they need and what, what makes the most sense versus really fulfilling your child's wishes. But so um, Alyssa wants a Fitbit um, so she can count her steps. Um, stuff from REI, Patagonia sweatshirt, and both girls want a Polaroid camera. One thing that Amy and I have made certain that we've already told the kids too, is that we are going to do as much, if not all of our shopping locally this year um, to support all of our local businesses. Yeah, a lot of our local retailers are doing curbside pickup. And so, yeah, do your best to try and support the local local businesses here. Chris, my kids, both uh, the two older ones, both want a Polaroid camera as well. And then do you get them both a Polaroid or, you know, and then all of a sudden it's, you know. Let's just you and I split one and the <laughs> four kids can all share it. They can each have it one week a month. Perfect. And the thing is, is the, the expense is not the camera itself. It's, you know, it's buying what I think you get 10 exposures for 20 bucks or something. I don't know what it is, but the film is so incredibly expensive. Yeah. Who would have thought this thing that we thought was dead 20 years ago now all of a sudden is having a comeback. So I've got the uh, toddlers and elementary school, preschool age kids. And so I, interviewed each one of my kids about what they're asking for this year. And I'm going to play that tape for you right now. Remind the listeners how old you are. I'm seven. What sorts of things would a seven-year-old want for the holidays this year? Well, I kind of want a rock tumbler. A Polaroid camera would be fun. Remind the listeners how old you are. I am four. What are some things that you would like to get for the holidays this year? I would like to get spring shoes and a Hot Wheels set. Remind everyone how old you are. Two. And what things would you like for the holidays? Um, a pink stuffed animal and baby clothes. Baby clothes for your baby doll? Mm -hmm. So in addition to what the Dwyer kids would like, a couple other ideas I came up with were uh, Kiwi Crates, which is a monthly subscription service. It comes in sort of a shoebox. And what it is, is basically activities for kids. And I have been really, really impressed with this company. They do boxes for kids all the way from babies up to adults. You can pick the topics, whether it's a science box or engineering, arts and crafts, geography, culture. Um, but my kids have made things like a weather tracking station, uh, a mobile of the solar system, make your own hobby horse. You can give a gift subscription for two or three months. So that could be a good gift. And then if people enjoy it, they could continue the subscription on their own. A couple more ideas for younger kids. Uh, we play a fair amount of board games in our house. One uh, I'll recommend is called Outfoxed. It's a... Uh, it's kind of like Clue for kids. You get these little hints about the uh, fox who is the perpetrator. 
And it's one of these new cooperative games. Have you guys played cooperative games? I don't think they existed when we were kids. No, what is it? Never heard of it. A cooperative kids game is you're all on the same team. You're not playing against each other. So no as, fun. A, as a team or a family, you either win or lose against the game. So a lot of the games coming out these days for kids are cooperative. I like that. That's kind of, that fits my, that fits me a lot better. And then I'm going to end with magnetiles, which are sort of like Legos, but they're larger and they're all magnetic. And so you kind of can build things 3D and it's certainly a STEM type of activity for kids these days. So we hope that you find that useful. Uh, Just some ideas from our kids, uh, hopefully give you a leg up as you start your holiday shopping this year. Dad, can we order Indian food sometime soon? Sure. Where should we order from? Non and Brew. What dishes do you like from Non and Brew? I like the non bread and butter chicken. And why do you like them? Because it's yummy. Non and Brew is an Indian family restaurant that's been located in downtown Bellingham since 2015. They are located at the corner of Railroad and Maple and have a full takeout and delivery menu available. To place an order, call 360 389 5493 or visit their website at nonandbrew.com. That's N-A-A-N-A-N-D-B-R-E-W.com. Parenting topic time. All right, so coming right off of Thanksgiving, we thought this week would be an apropos time to discuss dinner time and picky eaters. This week, I looked at some resources. Uh, Ellen Satter, a nutritionist, she's written a couple books, How to Get Your Kids to Eat, But Not Too Much, And also Child of Mine, Feeding with Love and Good Sense. I also looked at some materials provided by Bellingham Technical College's Parenting Education Program. So, Mark, tell me about your kids. Picky eaters or not? Uh, Well, my daughter was an extremely picky eater. She didn't like anything except chicken nuggets. We knew the best chicken nuggets at every restaurant, not only in Whatcom County, but up and down the I-5 corridor, because wherever we stopped, whenever we stopped, all sure with chicken nuggets. Uh, ben had some pretty serious food allergies growing up that we didn't really uh, get diagnosed until he was probably 18 months or two years old. So his whole diet completely had to change, and Annette had to cook completely different from him. Um, but he would try. He was game to, to eat anything. Um, But the pickiest eater in our house was my wife. Uh, She grew up not liking anything green. And uh, so it was really hard to try to get the, try to convince the kids to eat things out of their comfort zone um, because Annette never really did. And not that she didn't support our kids eating whatever we put in front of them, um, but because she didn't, there just wasn't a lot of, she was much more um, sympathetic to them than maybe I was. Looking back, we probably stressed out a lot about it, but as long as they were eating enough and eating a fairly balanced diet, they turned out fine and they're both super healthy and it was all all right. Do you think that they really didn't like the foods or was it a power struggle kid versus parent? Um, I think it was 
just a lack of curiosity on the part of Alexis. Ben, like I said, would eat anything. It just really, it just didn't sit well with him. Um, you know, Annette didn't, <laughs> Annette has said, I think I said this last week, that, you know, if you want to know anything, any secrets about the Bagley family, listen to the Welcome Dad's podcast. <laughs> she does not like green beans. And um, we- even, even fresh green beans, huh? And like, in, our, in our garden every year, we grow a whole bunch of green beans and we can them and eat them throughout the year. And growing up, we always had green beans for the kids. We'd pop open the can, we'd serve green beans. And last year, or maybe even during COVID, was the first time our kids ever realized that all their lives, their mother never ate green beans <laughs> at dinner. Good for her. They, they were flabbergasted and floored to learn that all these years they had thought that she was eating the green beans along with all of us and she had never eaten a green bean. I'm pretty lucky. I think my kids do a pretty good job, um, but there are some little tweaks and things uh, and things they do that really irritate me. Um, one of which is they sometimes don't like food based on what it's called. And so I've tried to get creative and rename things. For instance, at our house, it's not lasagna, it's pasta bake. And that worked maybe the first couple of times. But once my daughter got older, she was like, isn't this just lasagna? <laughs> but when they're younger, that might work for you. Another thing is when I have three kids, invariably, two of them will be eating something and enjoying it. And the third one will say, I don't like it. And what do you know, all of a sudden that cascades down and immediately the other two drop their spoons and they're like, yep, I don't like it either. That's funny. Uh, with the little kids that um, when our girls were little, uh, Amy and I still remember to this day, Dr. McGinnis, who was our pediatrician at the time, uh, he said that no, it's never been documented that a child has ever starved because they refused to eat something that they didn't like. And so for us, we eliminated the power struggle right off the bat, actually. I mean, if they threw something out of their high chair onto the floor, it was immediate. It was, uh-oh, I guess we're all done. And it was it was done. And it's funny, now that the girls are older, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily talk to them in that capacity anymore. However, it's funny, though, because we'll be you know, hanging out, playing games or watching a show or something. All of a sudden, Alexi will go to the counter or to the kitchen and look for crackers or some other snacky thing. And it's like, uh-uh, no. Well, I'm starving. And the joke in our family is, well, go eat an apple. <laughs> eat an apple. That is always our, if somebody's starving and it's not quite time to eat or we already did just eat, the response always is as parents is eat an apple. And Chris, that mirrors what some of the advice is from these books and resources I looked at. They said, basically, there's two roles at mealtime. You as the parent decide what food is served and when the food is served. And the children can decide how much to eat and whether or not to eat. And you shouldn't worry if they don't eat well at a meal. Uh, they're not going to go hungry. So I think that's hard to conceptualize, but I think... A lot of the things that maybe have tried and failed have been bribing, saying, okay, well, if you eat these things, then you can have the chocolate. At, you can have the chocolate at the end. But then what do you do when your kid says, I don't want the chocolate? Well, then they've just outsmarted you and, and, yeah. and pulled one over on you. Um, and I think the other thing, maybe we talked about it in a prior episode, was uh, 
you know, you have to stay at the table until you finish this. And I think it was with Dr. Martis in episode two when she said, well, put a time limit on it because you don't want to be sitting there all day. Yeah. I want to encourage listeners that there's different ways to cook things. We found that our kids did not like steamed broccoli, but when we roasted it with a fair amount of seasoning, the kids would eat it. Or they didn't like steamed green beans, but when we sauteed it with a little bit of sesame oil, they would eat it. So just because your kid turns down a food, try preparing it a different way. And I think the research shows that maybe a kid has to be exposed 20, 30, 40 times to a food before they really will decide whether or not they like it. Yeah, that's a really great point, Nathan. How'd you guys handle snacking in your house? Did you sort of have an open cupboard policy? Kids could graze whenever they want or were snacks sort of more planned out and given some thought around in between mealtimes and timed out? And we, we had snacks in the house. Um, my biggest pet peeve was when I would come home from work at, you know, 5.30 or quarter to six and dinner was going to be at six o'clock and the kids were snacking on a fruit roll up or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> come on. And then they weren't hungry for dinner. Uh, exactly. So that, that, w- that was always my pet peeve. I don't mind if you, when you get home from school, you're hungry, you have a sack, you make a sandwich, you have a granola bar, you have a fruit roll up, you have a go-gurt, whatever it is. Eat an apple. Yeah. Eat an apple. <laughs> but, but don't be eating after like four or 4.30. Save yeah. that time for dinner. Yeah, the materials I looked at said, don't snack two hours before a mealtime. And again, that would apply for older kids. Younger kids need more snacks. And the other thing that they recommended was always have a protein in your snack. So combine it with either a bean or a nut or a dairy. That's going to really sustain them. Because if you give them a fruit roll-up, that's not going to cut it. Well, and it's funny too, because I feel like we are much smarter about foods that we eat today than we were growing up as kids. I mean, the idea of mentioning protein being ensuring that that's something that you eat, which is we're the same way, Nathan, that is never something that we ever had mentioned. It was, you know, is it junk food or is it not junk food? That was, that was pretty much it. And end of story. Let me give a couple other tips I've picked up. Uh, One was if you're planning a meal, Always include one thing in that meal that you know each kid's going to eat, even if it's just bread or plain rice. That way, if there's three or four things on the plate, you're going to know that they're at least going to get what they need out of that one thing they're going to eat. The other thing that I struggle with is I say to the kids, what do you want to eat for lunch? Well, you have just set yourself up for disaster with that question. Chocolate cake. Give them options and options you can live with. So a better question would be, would you like a quesadilla or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? They feel like they have some power in the decision-making and even better if you can include them in the preparation. They're much more likely to eat something that they can prepare. Another thing that we do, which has been really uh, beneficial to our conversations about nutrition is we look at the nutrition value of things that sort of sit on our dinner table, like condiments for salad and things like that. And a funny story in our house is actually Alyssa looked at the uh, salt container and she looked at the back of it and she said, Oh my gosh, this has a lot of sodium in it. (laughs) 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 And, and it's really great. I mean, to have that conversation. So they at least, are starting to understand what calories are and what sugar is and all of those kinds of things, just to sort of pay attention to what they're putting in there to their bodies is, is really helpful. All right. I'm going to close this out with a quote from some of the materials. 
It says developing pleasant mealtimes can be a struggle with fights about food and how much the child is eating. To reduce food fights, parents need to know that parents and children have different responsibilities. Parents want children to eat and be healthy, but forcing children to eat has the opposite effect. Power struggles around food can be reduced by understanding who does what. It's simple and it works, but it does take some practice. What can dads recommend? To close out this week's show on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're going to bring back the fantasy draft, but this week we're going to draft television shows to watch with your kids. So not just shows that they like to watch or shows that you put on when you need some extra time, but shows that you enjoy watching with your kids. So uh, this week, Chris is going to go first, I'm going to go second, and Mark's going to go third. We're each going to give you uh, five picks of TV shows with a short summary of what the show's about and... Uh, We'll see what we come up with. Well, a show that we have uh, really enjoyed watching together as a family right now is This Is Us. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, there's some really heavy topics in there. And so it's actually provided us with a middle schooler and a high schooler to have uh, real conversations about real issues like addiction and alcoholism and um, abuse and other kinds of things. So, And it's just a fantastic show. So that's the show we've enjoyed watching together as a family. For my kids right now, I think the number one that I enjoy watching with them is Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. <laughs> a little different than This Is Us. <laughs> a little different. My kids are a little different age. But uh, this is put on by Fred Rogers Productions. If you remember from watching Mr. Rogers and he had uh, the neighborhood of make-believe, there was Daniel the Tiger in there. So this is an animated show uh, about that world. They have common themes um, and address things like sadness or being scared. And there's always a little jingle or song that they can uh, sing throughout the show that your kids can sort of remember. So everyone needs to remember that my kids have not lived in my house for coming on four years now. And so some of the shows that I talk about are only available on Netflix or Hulu or YouTube. Or VHS. Uh, or, or Betamax, um, maybe 8-track if you uh, go back far enough. But the one show that we really enjoyed watching together as a family was Modern Family. Uh, that was just a 30-minute a, a comedy about a um, blended, I guess, is a way to say it. And uh, good lessons it had it all. And uh, we enjoyed watching that as a family. Uh, my second pick... Uh we love watching it's it's uh, i don't even know if these are new episodes or not but the girls love it and it's good luck charlie um and uh, i don't even know if it's a nickelodeon it, we see it on netflix but uh, great comedy good family light and airy which is obviously much different than this is us so uh we absolutely love that show together as a family I'm going to go with uh, Mira Royal Detective. It's a newer show on uh, Disney Junior. Uh, it's inspired by Indian culture and customs and set in a fictional 19th century Indian kingdom. And Mira is a commoner who is appointed to be the royal detective. And so she travels around the kingdom solving mysteries. Uh, she's accompanied by two mongooses. So would they be called mongoose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Very interesting. Two mongoose or two mongoose? This is curious. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so our second pick uh, was or would be American Idol. 
and this goes way back to like series, uh, season one and two, where we were trying to find something on television that wasn't suggestive or was just appropriate for kids. And we found that American Idol was great because it was just people singing and we love Simon Cowell and it was just a lot of fun. And uh, we would always record it and watch it and vote at the end of the season. It was kind of a big deal. So American Idol was a a big one for us as our kids were growing up and it's still on today. So it's uh, still relevant. Uh, For us, third one that we love, um, kind of along what you were talking about, Mark, something that isn't suggestive, but just positive and fun to watch is the Great British Baking Show. Uh, I mean, all the good baking shows are great, but this one is really great because it's all positive. They're all uh, kind of rooting for one another. Um, the hosts are honest and friendly and kind. And if we can watch TV shows where people are kind to one another, um, and that's certainly something we're looking for. I'm going to go classic and nostalgic with Sesame Street. Uh, I have gotten the kids to watch it recently. It's amazing that some of the same characters are still alive and well. And there's also new characters. I noticed there's a new character, Smarty, who's a smartphone. So uh, Sesame Street still uh, pulls at my heartstrings and uh, still positive messages, learning, letters, numbers, singing, dancing. Pretty great. And that goes back to even when I was a kid. So, I mean, I was watching that 50 years ago, which is crazy, to, crazy to believe. Uh, the third one that I would choose in my fantasy draft would be one of our all-time favorite sitcoms, uh, Parks and Rec. We, again, thought it was a very wholesome show. Uh, again, 30 minutes, nice length of time for the attention span of uh, younger kids available on your subscription channels these days, but Leslie Nope and the crew um, never failed to entertain. Number four for us would be Phineas and Ferb. Uh, If I can watch a show with my kids that is kind of a kid animated show, but has a ton of adult sort of humor embedded into it, uh, I'm all for it. And so the girls uh, really just this last year or so have really enjoyed watching Phineas and Ferb uh, on Netflix. I'm going to go Wild Kratz, which oh, is a good show. Yeah, a mix of live action and animation. The Krat Brothers talk about the animals and you learn about them. And in the second half of the show, they will uh, dive into animation world and adopt some of the characteristics or qualities of that animal and go on sort of an adventure. So Marv, uh, my fourth one would be another reality show. And I like to think that this show really um, sparked my kids' interest in travel, and that would be the Amazing Race. We Good would show. all, yeah, we would always gather on I think it was Sunday nights and watch that together. And um, both Alexis and Ben, Alexis more than Ben, just because she's had more opportunities, have traveled and traveled and traveled. And I think seeing these different locations and learning about geography. And, uh, and the competition of the whole thing really sparked their interest. And we always loved watching that show together. 
Our final uh, pick of our top five drafts is uh, another show called, uh, speaking of kindness, again, is uh, The Kindness Diaries. It's a show that we've really enjoyed where uh, it's this uh, TV host who travels the world with only a vintage motorbike. And uh, he relies on the kindness of strangers to uh, essentially help him get through his travels. And then he pays them back in um, a variety of sort of unexpected and inspiring ways and it's of course you know very manufactured in some ways but um again anything that can make the girls feel positive about people in this world uh, is something that we are all for i'm gonna go sort of non-traditional for my last pick i do enjoy watching sports but it's difficult to watch a whole game and so what i've done is when i see sort of the olympic sports on tv when it's not during the Olympics, uh, I, I'll put them on the DVR and we can watch them later. So I'm talking swimming, track and field, gymnastics, figure skating. They don't know that it's recorded. They don't know that it's um, from several months ago, but they enjoy watching the competition. And uh, so I enjoy watching those sorts of things. The last one I'll talk about uh, as a, a family viewing opportunity was Planet Earth. On oh, Yes. TV. BBC. Oh, good. Those were amazing. And we would just sit and just be so um, awestruck by the photography and the narration and the stories that those shows would tell. That was uh, always yeah. one of our favorites. We've, we've tried to watch that recently and invariably about every 20 minutes on that show, some bigger animal eats a smaller animal, <laughs> which is still tough for my kids to watch. So I'm going to give that one a couple more years. Yeah, it's probably, probably not a bad idea. But I do want to talk a little bit about as your kids get older and when they are probably out of high school and into college and, and even beyond, sometimes it's fun to watch irreverent PG-13 R-rated shows that maybe can only be found on Netflix or other ones, but a couple that we've enjoyed, uh, my son and I, uh, The League, which was on FX, about uh, uh, four friends, five five people who are in a fantasy football league. It, it's awful. It's terrible. They say some horrible things, but it is very, very funny, and my son and I have laughed and chuckled many, many times about that. We've also watched Big Mouth, which is a Nick Kroll cartoon uh, on Netflix. And it, I mean, honestly, be careful because it is probably, it's, uh, it's vulgar, but it's hilarious if you have that kind of sense of humor. And my daughter and I really enjoyed watching a show um, on Pop Network. It was a Canadian show and it just wrapped up its sixth season. And I don't know if I can say the uh, first word S S C H I T T S Creek. Um, my daughter and I just loved watching that show together. It's um, it's heartwarming. It's uh, very family, but very very funny. And they tackle a lot of very interesting and um, uh, emotional issues. But it's well worth your time. And uh, they just wrapped up season six, and it is available on Netflix. As our girls have gotten older, having two daughters, we try to find shows also that have really strong female figures in it. Um, it's just something that we're really mindful of, too. So uh, whenever we can see a TV show or a movie that is uh, something that we've stumbled upon that's got a strong female role, it's something that we're always trying to push forward to. You know, one thing that Annette pointed out to me, and I never, ever realized this, but a lot of the shows with our kids, and this, is, this goes back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of the kids that a lot of the shows that our kids watched 
the main characters were young kids and the parents always to be in a supporting role. But one thing that really bothered us was the shows that made the parents look dumb, dumb, <laughs> look dumb or out of touch yeah. um, and, and ways that the kids would manipulate them and the parents would just say and do really dumb things. And it really bothered Annette when the kids watched those shows that it just portrayed the parents as buffoons. And Chris, obviously mm-hmm. you've, I mean, you've noticed that as well. And I don't know yeah. if your kids are watching shows like that yet. Those type of shows kind of do a disservice, I think, to what you try to do as parents in being a role model and trying to set the tone and uh, in the direction for your family. Parents should pay attention to what their kids are watching and to sit down and watch an episode with the kids just to get an idea about what they're seeing and what the characters are doing. And the shows that my kids are now watching as adults that I watch with them, um, I would never, ever, ever recommend that anyone under 18 watch those shows. I mean, they're not appropriate. It's just not the thing to do. It reminds me of when we talked about politics and the election. Watching TV can also be a lens upon which you impart your values on your kids. And I think TV shows provide a lot of conversation starters that can let you dive deeper. Yeah, very much so. So there you have it. 15 plus shows from the Whatcom Dads. Things to watch from kids ranging from 2 to 24 and beyond. Tune in in two weeks for a new episode. They will interview retired Billingham Fire Chief Bill Boyd about fire safety, discuss family pets, and will recommend local restaurants that have good takeout for kids. The podcast is now available on all major podcast apps. You can email us so at whatcomedadspodcast at email.com. See you in two weeks! What instrument does a skeleton play? What instrument? The trombone. How can you tell a vampire has a cold? How? Because he sits coughing. What vampires give you in winter? What do vampires give you in winter? Frostbite. Frostbite.